Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the New Beginnings Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Tyler Moss, and today we're going to be talking about the Dolphins' loss against the Seattle Seahawks in what was a a very competitive game, um, a very frustrating game at times, but I did see a lot of good things mixed in with this game that can give give you know give us some hope for the future uh, as far as this team's concerned in the first year after their uh, um, major infusion of new talent into this offense, at least with players that are going to be around for a while after this last draft and and kind of looking forward to this next draft, which is going to going to be the plan for this team to kind of solidify uh, all of the weaker areas of the team uh, as they're moving forward in, in what should be a bright future uh, from all the things that we've kind of seen so far from this team. We'll go ahead and dive right into it. Not going to spend a whole lot of time today uh, talking about either this game or previewing the next game, so there shouldn't be a long episode. Um, but w- whenever I start to break down this game, I think that the, the defense did a pretty admirable job of holding back the Seattle offense led by a um, one of the, at least publics, in the public's eye, one of the front runners for a possible MVP candidate this year in Russell Wilson. And uh, the defense did a very good job of, of limiting as many big plays that you would expect from this team and kind of what you've seen thus far uh, by the Seattle team. Um, they did a they did a pretty good job of keeping the players in front of them, um, not letting them sustain multiple lengthy drives. Uh, they were able to to get a lot of stops when it mattered most, um, get the ball back onto the offensive side. Um, Xavier Howard had a great interception in the end zone that that kind of killed a drive that that really had me worried at that point in the game. That I thought that Seattle was really gonna try to put the nail in the coffin and, and really shut that game out. But they, he managed to um, make a absolutely amazing interception, kept the team in it. And uh, there was a lot of big plays, big moments like that in the game for the Dolphins, where you would think that Seattle was on the verge of either pulling away or, or basically putting an end to the game. And they would do just enough to keep themselves right there on their heels. Uh, so breaking it down piece by piece, uh, we'll go ahead and start at the the quarterback position, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, had another decent game. Um, it, it wasn't enough to really uh, either get me excited or give me hope that we're going to see a lot of big performances out of him this season. Uh, he does enough to uh, use his accuracy and uh, use his veteran savviness to uh, to make you know big plays when they're needed, uh, big third down conversions, uh, find guys over the middle in, in you know kind of shorter yard situations, um, and really, really you know kind of use that to his strengths. Uh, so I mean he I, I I can't I can't fault him too much. Uh, I promised I wouldn't keep banging the drum for Tua too hard. Uh, so with that without getting too much into that. Um, in trying to keep my promise here, I will say that I do believe that the team needs the the influx or the the, the kind of shot in the arm that the newer, um, younger, and and kind of more more diverse type of quarterback into. A, and I, I think that 
I think that depending on how you know he would play, it's kind of the unknown at the moment is how he's actually going to play when he gets in there. Uh, but I do think that having a player like that in a game like this is something that you can see making a difference. Uh, and, and we've had instances like that to, to build on, to you know, to speak on uh, throughout years past when you've had uh, that rookie quarterback come in in certain games. And uh, Baker Mayfield is kind of one of the one of the ones that I like to kind of point to um, as a most recent one, an easy one to talk about. Uh, whenever he comes into a, a bad situation, is able to kind of bring a bit of new life into it. Um, so I'm not necessarily. I'm not going to get up here and yell that they need to start him next week because Fitzpatrick is going to be the starter, which is fine. Um, but it's just kind of my thoughts and kind of my feelings as far as with some areas that the team is lacking at the moment. Um, but but Fitzpatrick did play a good game. Um, I really I really don't have much more to say about the quarterback position as far as Miami's concerned on that. Um, I, w- I will speak to uh, the coaching and, and play calling, which... I think, honestly, even more uh, than Fitzpatrick uh, affected this game in a negative way. Um, I, I do. I, I've, I'm kind of getting a little frustrated with the the coordinators on both sides of the ball, uh, the defensive and offensive coordinators. I think that they're either not doing a job, doing a good job of communicating with with Flores, and I'm not sure how much he's actually involved in that. I know he probably lets his coordinators do his job. He's he's more of a defensive minded coach. Um, so, if anything else, I've got I have a little bit more frustration with uh, with the defensive coordinator than I do with Chan Gailey because Chan Gailey showed that his offense can move the ball down the field. Uh, it really does kind of open it up. It gets a lot of guys involved. And in this game where you had Seattle uh, that was double teaming Mike Gusecki for the most of the ga- uh, for the majority of the game, uh, I think Chan did a good job of of being able to you know kind of kind of uh, take a look at that and really go to the next guy or kind of, kind of, you know, move it around the field, um, to kind of make up for that. And (laughs) Seattle to, to their credit, um, did not falter from that plan. Uh, whenever they started to go to Devontae Parker a lot, they started to go, you know, over the middle to Isaiah Ford at times for some big plays. Uh, Preston Williams had a few catches. So they were able to spread it out, um, get other receivers involved and, and they really, they really wanted to take away Mike Gusecki in this game, and I think that that was a very good call on their part. I think that that was one of the big differences in the game, and that just kind of shows you the different levels of coaching here, at least uh, as far as years of experience in the head coaching position. And and I think that that's, that's kind of the moments where you see that happen is because when you look at the Dolphins team, the big story of the day is that they would go down the field get into the red zone and they could not capitalize as far as touchdowns are concerned. Um, Jason Sanders did an amazing job of kicking field goals. I mean, he was kicking field goals all day and uh, to his credit did not miss any. So he was able to keep the team in the game and um, being able to drive down the field at different points and especially at different points in the game where Seattle would, uh, especially before halftime when Seattle went down, had that huge play, got down there and scored really quickly with, I mean, what was it like 30 seconds left? before halftime so that was a pretty disheartening play and they come out with the ball after halftime and Miami's able to get a big stop get the ball back and and continue uh, their offensive momentum in in a time where you know that was that's usually a pretty disheartening 
um, type of situation to be in for a team. It can really uh, kind of rattle your confidence. And so, so I, you have, they have to give them credit for that. The players did play hard. They played like they wanted to win this game. Um, but the ability to capitalize in the red zone, in, you know, in, in my opinion, um, goes beyond just player skill. Because you see the player's skill throughout the entire game. And you've seen them have success throughout the entire game going down the field. Uh, but capitalizing in the red zone, it has to be a combination between the skill set of those players and the coaching and the, and the calls. And uh, I just did not see that there whenever they got down there. I think that that uh, starting up at the top with, with Coach Flores and, and, and the coordinators, I do think that they kind of let the players down in a sense um, by not really giving them the proper, um, the proper play calls. Uh, and, and trying to at least change it up with something different whenever they got down there because they would get down there and they would kind of have the same formula um, as they did to get down to the other end of the field. And whenever you look at other teams like Kansas City, like these you know these these prolific teams, um, you see them pull out a lot of different things when they get down into the red zone because you have to be creative because you you don't have as much uh, space to work with. Um, so you'll see those teams, they'll do, they'll do some reverses. They'll get the wide receivers involved in the running game. Uh, you'll scramble some with the quarterback as a, you know, an intentional play call to kind of open things up, uh, get the defenders moving in one direction and, you know, try to find that um, player over the middle. And that's, uh, that's really what I thought was lacking down on that end of the field is just a little bit of diversity. Uh, with with the play calling, it seemed to just kind of be the the steadfast run, you know, run to pass kind of kind of mentality. Um, and you're going to get a little bit of that with with Chan Gailey. He's he's an older offensive coordinator, um, but he does do a very good job. I just think that that he he didn't really get away uh, from that kind of classic play calling in, in situations where it really was warranted. Um, but beyond the offense to the defense, the defense. Uh, speaking at least about the coaching, I think that, that Brian Flores and the defensive coordinator are having an issue. And I think they're having an issue adapting during the game um, to things that the other team is doing well. And we've seen that. They, they seem to do a good job of looking at what they failed at the week before and trying to solidify that going into the next week. Uh Kind of going back to the first week of the season, the Patriots ran the ball all over the Dolphins. Uh, they go into that Buffalo game and they're able to limit the running game a lot more, but then giving it giving up, uh, up huge yards in the passing game. Uh, they go into the third game against Jacksonville and they're able to really limit the passing game for the most part. Um, still give up, still give up some running yards. It was a little bit more balanced in that game, uh, but the defense still had its issues. Uh, but going into this game here. Um, they they sh- they really showed that they had a plan for Russell Wilson um, to really try to limit his scrambling ability to try to keep him in the pocket. Uh, some of the things that I talked about before the game, uh, in order for them to win, they were going to need to do something like that. And they were able to do it pretty well. Uh, they were able to generate some pressure at times on him. Uh, still not entirely consistent on getting pressure on the quarterback. But they did a good job of at least making him uncomfortable at times. Um, the uh, linebackers did a pretty good job of, of 
taking some things away over the middle uh, whenever they were able to break um, either the runs or the quarterback runs or scrambles to the outside. They were able to to contain that and keep that from breaking out for huge yards. Um, the running game in general, though, they did not do a very good job of stopping Chris Carson. They did they did okay with him at times, but they, I mean, with, with a great player like Chris Carson, he's going to have those breakaway plays, and that's kind of what happened. Um, is they they would do a decent job of containing him, but then he'd break off a you know five ten plus run at times, and that was that was some of the. Uh, some of the downside to that is that they would do a good job of it consistently, but they just weren't able to fully contain him. Uh, and he did come away with a couple of touchdowns as well. So, so the run, the running defense struggled a little bit, um, at least as far as Chris Carson's concerned. They didn't have, they didn't really have an issue with the other running backs on the team, and not even with Russell Wilson. He wasn't really able to to scramble for for little to no yards. It seemed like. Uh, but the the back end of the defense is where it really struggled. Um, the getting into what I talked about when I first started talking about the defense and how the defense defensive coaches as well as the head coach are struggling is with the first round pick Noah Igbenogany, and we've kind of seen Noah Igbenogany go up and down so far throughout the year. He's had some some decent games. He's had a couple of really bad games. And this was just another one of his really bad games. And, I mean, truthfully, if we had Byron Jones in this game at cornerback, I, I truly see the Miami Dolphins winning this game. Um, because those those big plays, like the one before halftime, they just had a few of those big plays uh, either to, to, um, to Moore or to uh, DK Metcalf. And um, I, I, I think that... Uh, that they did a pretty good job of guarding Tyler Lockett. He didn't really have much. He had like, uh, what was it, two or three catches for 30-something yards. Um, so they did a really good job of guarding Tyler Lockett. He's been one of the best receivers in the league so far this year. And so that does speak to their ability to really lock down a star wide receiver if they need to. Uh, unfortunately, this team has two of them because DK Metcalf has been an unbelievable receiver this year. And so they weren't able to... To completely take him away at all. Um, he had a pretty good day. Um, it's a very hard, very big ask for the defense to try to take away two receivers like that, and I think that they did a decent job of it. Uh, but, but really, the most frustrating part of it. I mean, it, it, giving up yards to a to a star receiver while taking away their other star receiver, um, keeping things in front of you with the other receivers, and, and, and not giving up a lot of big plays. Those are things that that are good because a team's still going to get theirs um, eventually, especially this team, um, uh, you know, this offensive team like Seattle is right now. But to the frustration really comes whenever you're giving up these huge plays at very uh, inopportune moments or at moments where you cannot give up uh, that, that 40, you know, that 40 yard play. And the team is very, much struggling with that right now defensively and it really starts with Noah Igbenogany. Noah Igbenogany has shown that he is not really in tune with the defense right now. He's not really uh, understanding his position in some of the defensive schemes. Um, he's, he's got receivers that are blowing by him and he's thinking that he's got help over the top and he doesn't at the time and so he's finding himself you know kind of cutting to the inside letting that receiver go 
And then when he turns around to trail that receiver, he's seeing that he doesn't have any help over the top, and so he's just getting beat. And um, it, it's something with with rookies that you'll see happen, but it's something that you'll see happen, you know, once in a game. And he's having it happen to him multiple times in a game where he's finding himself out of position. And uh, getting back to when I was talking about having trouble adapting to the teams during the game, um, what I was really getting at most of all was that they need to figure out something to do with Noah Igbenogany, whether it's moving him to a, a different spot on the field, um, trying to have him play a little bit deeper uh, and really kind of getting Nick Needham in there or, or somebody else to, to play a little bit of corner. And it doesn't have to be for the entire game, but I think that they need to do a better job of mixing it up more and getting uh, Igbenogany out of these situations that he's finding himself in. Um, and, and I'm not a coach and I'm not a football expert, so they may have tried to do more of that and maybe I just missed it. Uh, during the game, uh, there's a lot that I don't really recognize when the game's going on because, you know, I mean, like like every other fan, I, I tend to watch the ball a lot. So uh, so there's there's plenty of things that I do miss. Um, so if they did try to do that and, I, and I'm misspeaking, then that's fine. I You know, I don't mind being wrong about that. But it just seemed like they didn't do a good enough job of, of getting Noah Igbenogany out of these spots when they saw he was struggling. Um... They really need to address that immediately because once they see that they can get that uh, big play or they can get him out of position, a savvy veteran quarterback like Russell Wilson, uh, you know, MVP caliber type of guy, is going to be able to um, really take his offense and and figure out ways to find that weak link. And then they're going to continue to put him in positions where where he's going to fail. And I think that's kind of what ended up happening here. Um, and, and I wasn't really scared of the other receivers. I had no idea that, that David Moore was going to come out and just completely burn this defense. And that's probably one of the more frustrating things because I, I figured that Lockett and DK Metcalf were going to get their yards. They were going to you know get a touchdown, maybe a touchdown each because uh, they're that good. But I wasn't really scared of the other receivers on, uh, on the Seahawks team, and I wasn't really that scared of their tight ends, and their tight ends were fairly ineffective. Um, I think Olsen had like five catches for 35 yards. Uh, so so he had a few catches. I figured that that's exactly what was going to happen, was their tight ends. Um, one of them may squeeze out a touchdown just because it's a big guy in the red zone. Uh, but for the most part, I figured they would just have a few catches for you know short gains, and that's kind of what ended up happening with all of them. And they've got some decent tight ends. I just figured that... Uh, the way our defense uh, is set up for the Dolphins, that that they would be able to limit the type of tight ends that they have for the most part, and they they were able to do that. They did a pretty good job on them. Uh, but even even though the defense gave up some big plays, I can't be too upset with them because they really were able to put the offense in a position to win this game, and the offense was not able to capitalize. Uh, at the opportune moments that they had, multiple opportune moments that they had in this game to put Seattle away. Uh, when you look at it with five field goals, I mean, there's just, if, if you're able to even convert one or two of those in touchdowns, it's a completely different game. And they had every opportunity to do that, and they just were not able to to come away with the seven points instead of the three. Um, and that that was very frustrating. Um I felt like Miami played 
well enough in this game to win. And it was a very entertaining game to watch. And uh, it kind of expanding on that, I, I talked about uh, in the last episode that this is one of those games that you need to come out and win. You need to try to uh, show that you can be, uh, you know, at least in talks as a team that has the ability to beat these um, higher level teams like the Seahawks and and like these other teams uh, in the league that are the upper echelon teams. And I, I think that Miami played well enough to win the game. So, I mean, they at least show that they are improving um, to the tune of being able to compete in these games. But being able to win these games and being able to show that you're just kind of a team that's middle of the road, a kind of a thorn in, in those teams' sides, is kind of a different, is, is a different thing. But there's, the way that they were at least able to uh, to come out and play against this team, it, it was it was at least a little bit encouraging um, that that we can at least see some of the the progress that the team's making, and it, it makes me it makes me upset in the moment. It makes me uh, kind of sad and frustrated to to see it see them come so close and have opportunities to to beat a good team and just fall short. Uh, but it at least makes me feel good about the future of the team and. Um, Having the Texans be so bad this year and fire Bill O'Brien, and we have that team's first and second round pick uh, going into this next draft, they're really going to be able to infuse even more talent into this roster. And um, other than you know, even just the free agency moves that are going to be uh, possible to make, and uh, I'm not really sure what's going to happen with some of the players on the roster, uh, mainly. Uh, in the running back room, and we'll kind of get into that now. Uh, but Matt Burita and Jordan Howard. Uh, Matt Burita had a pretty good game. He he was able to catch some balls uh, out of the backfield and, and make some plays, you know, to, in, in that way. And so that was that was pretty good to see. I was really hoping going into this year that we were going to see Matt Burita used a lot in the passing game, and um, they were really able to capitalize on on some situations, getting him the ball in open space. Uh, Jordan Howard looks like a washed-up running back and um, a big body that they're using on the one-yard line to punch in the ball for a touchdown. But that's every time that they've given him the ball uh, between the 20s on the field, he has just shown that he does not have much spark left in his game. And I really hope to this point that I'm just wrong about him. I hope that he can come out and have a big game and, and... get back to some of the success that he's had over the years around the uh, injuries that he's had. But he's really been a great running back at times. And he's just really fallen short of everything I thought he was going to be. Um, but at, at least at least we have the bright spot in Miles Gaskin because Miles Gaskin has is, is continued uh, to look like a good running back. He's been able to catch passes as well as Matt Burita, but he's... If uh, Gaskin needs to be on the field for those passing plays and needs to catch a ball out of the backfield, he's been able to do it. Uh, he's been able to make some things happen. He's um, had moments where he's been able to bust out some 10-plus yard runs and and really uh, kind of put a spark into the offense in that way. Uh, he's shown toughness for being a smaller back. Uh, he's had a, He even had a couple moments in this game against Seattle where he's been able to just kind of lower his shoulder, uh, go over a defender or even a linebacker at times, and get that extra yardage that you need. 
Um, so so uh, we're continuing to see great things out of Miles Gaskin. I really hope that it keeps going that way because uh, it would be great to find one of those guys that, that just kind of comes out of nowhere and ends up being a good playmaker for your team, and that's what this team needs. Um, it's just confusing to see it come from him and not these other backs that they brought in. Uh, but I, I, I won't argue with it either way. So if he ends up being the guy like that, then I'm more than happy to roll with it. Um, but another I, another pretty good game from him, at least as far as kind of what I saw, um, even on the you know, even at the times where he would struggle during the game, he shows toughness, he shows hard running, and he shows that he uh, has a lot of big play capability. I touched on the receivers a little bit already. Uh, with Isaiah Ford having some catches, Preston Williams having a couple catches, um, uh, it was it was nice to see Devontae Parker come out and kind of finally get himself more involved in the game, uh, get more targets, more catches. Uh, didn't have a monstrous game like I thought he would have in this one. I really thought that he would have a few big plays kind of stacked up where they would go deep and kind of uh, give him a chance to go up for the ball. And I think they. Um, could have and probably should have done a little bit more of that um, with either him or Preston Williams, but they, you know, they were there. I, I get the formula that they want to extend drives. They want to have a higher time of possession. They want to keep the ball out of Russell Wilson's hands, and they did a good job of that. And that was that was really the uh, formula for success because it's a team like I like I said before in the, in the episode previewing the uh, matchup. If you get into a, a shootout with this team, it's it's nearly impossible to win. Um, and so they did a good job of doing that. They would extend those drives. They had longer drives. Uh, they had, I believe it was it was four or five field goals in a row uh, in consecutive possessions. And so that that was a great thing. They had, they were dominating the time of possession. Um, they just were not able to capitalize on it in the end. And that was the downfall of the team. Uh, but they, they were able to get a lot of a lot of different receivers involved. Um, uh, Mike Gusecki, like I spoke before, was getting double teamed. They managed to take him out, but um, uh, they were they were able to get the other tight ends involved in the passing game and some kind of tricky situations where you wouldn't think that they would be going to the other tight end. And that was that was good play calling um, by the offensive coordinator there to be able to do that and, and really kind of. Um, uh, kind of shake things up a little bit by going to somebody that you, you wouldn't expect at the time. Uh, the only the only other uh, part of the team I really want to touch on is the offensive line. Uh, the offensive line is still, I mean, in my opinion, and I don't know how popular that opinion is, uh, but the offensive line has still continued to do a good job. And at one point during this game, uh, we saw left tackle Austin Jackson go out of the game. And I was pretty concerned at that point because it was it was kind of a pivotal moment. And so he goes out of the game. Uh, they bring in Julian Davenport, which we all have, have seen the awfulness that Julian Davenport brings into the game. It's, it's, it's almost a nightmare situation um, when Austin Jackson goes out and Julian Davenport comes in because I was watching that next play after thinking, that's exactly where the pressure is going to come from. They're going to bull rush or, or speed rush right past him and, and get a sack immediately because he's shown that he's not, not a very good tackle in this league um, from what from what we've seen in the past. But uh, the play after, he, he held his own. Um, he did a good job filling in. 
and uh, I was decently surprised. And so I think that that's that this speaks to the level of coaching that this offensive line has had in the offseason, in the limited offseason, and uh, the ability for these guys on this offensive line that includes rookies playing this year uh, to really come together and play as a unit. They've done a good job of that. Uh, they've they've limited the pressure. Um, they've 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 given Fitzpatrick time to find you know go through his progressions and and um, if things do break down they've been able to open up lanes for him to to rush the ball and I, I've seen a lot of a lot of hate from from different areas uh, about this game um, saying that that uh, Fitzpatrick was the leading rusher over Gaskin and, and people were upset about that because that's you know from last year him being the leading rusher on the team uh, the entirety of last year a lot of uh, fans are, are very upset they don't want to see him they 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 mainly just want to see a running back be the leading rusher on the team um and so I, I did speak highly of Miles Gaskin I wish he would have done more he didn't have a huge game but Seattle's been a decent team at stopping the run so um I think that that's why I was saying that I think he did well against a team that has been pretty pretty good at stopping the run. They've just been torched in the passing game. And um, so for Fitzpatrick to drop back, um, not really have anything to look at. And the, when the pocket's breaking down, he was able to, to break out to get those big runs, to get those big first downs when he needed to. Uh, I think that that is fine, that he was the leading rusher for this game. It's just not something that you want to see consistently. It's not something that you want to see more than a, maybe a couple times in a year. Uh, but for a game like this, I think that it was scripted well for him to be able to get out of the pocket when it was breaking down and get those extra yards. So uh, I'm, I'm more happy that, that this is the type of game where he would get that in. Uh, because I think that uh, the offensive line did a good enough job of um, giving him enough time to go through, and if nothing's there, he's able to take off with the ball. That's all I really have for this game, though. Um, uh, encouraging game, disappointing game, all at the same time. Uh, but I, I, I think that I've touched on about every area that I can think of. Um, so we'll look forward to next week. Next week will be against the 49ers, the 49ers team that's still extremely beat up at the moment. Um, they're going to get some players back for this game, and they've shown that they can continue to win without these players uh, that, have, that have been gone. So certainly a team that, yeah, you can say is, is banged up at the moment is going to have some starters out, but it's a team that is more than capable of beating just about any team in the league. So it's not one that you can take lightly. Uh, I'm not sure who's all going to be back for this game. I'm not sure if Garoppolo is going to be back for this game. Um, I haven't looked at a at a at a recent um, projection on on what one of those which of the players are, are actually going to be back for this game. But um, I know that they uh, are going to have possibly Mostert back for the game at running back, which is going to be something that the Dolphins are really going to have to take a look at because it's going to be hard um, against a team that has young, dynamic, uh, speedy receivers. They have um, a, a combination um, of, of power and speed and big playmaking ability at the running back position because we've seen Jarek McKinnon uh, have success in these weeks that uh, that Mostert has been out. And if Mostert's back in, I can 
definitely see them having a, a one-two punch kind of combination uh, with both of those guys. Um, they have uh, Brandon Ayuk, uh, the rookie at receiver, and he's he's been having some some pretty dynamic play for them, and so he's going to be one that you're going to have to look out for. Uh, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I think I saw that um, that was at Debo Samuel. Uh, their other receiver is going to be back for the game, possibly. Uh, we saw George Kittle uh, come back this last week and was just a complete monster. And he's somebody that, whenever you look at this offense, if you're going to stop, if you're going to try to stop the 49ers offense, it has to start with George Kittle. Um, and so it's, it's, it's going to be difficult because uh, if, if Byron Jones is not going to be back for the Dolphins, I really hope that he is. Uh, Noah Igbenogany, if he gets paired up with Brandon Ayuk at any point, is going to have a lot of trouble with his speed um, and, and his big playmaking ability. So they're going to really have to try to limit the big plays uh, from, from Kittle, from Ayuk, and, and any of these other guys on the field. Uh, up front, they're really going to have to do a better job of clogging up the middle for these runs. And I, I really want to see uh, Christian Wilkins do a little bit better job of that on the inside of really being able to break off of those blocks and, and try to grab a hold of those uh, running backs if they're trying to run up the middle um, because they're, they're going to have to try to keep these San Francisco running backs from getting five plus a carry. Um, if, they, if they're not able to do that, it's just going to set them up for, for big passing plays. So defensively, it's going to be a very, very tough matchup um, for the Dolphins to try to stop this offense. Uh, looking at the other side of the ball, um, the Miami offense against the San Francisco defense, they've got uh, a pretty powerful pass rush. I'm not sure what all defensive players they're go- that uh, San Francisco has currently out or is going to have out for the game. Um, I'm just going to speak on kind of what they do as a, uh, as a defensive scheming team and they're able to generate a lot of pressure uh, I'm not I'm not entirely scared of their their back line of their linebacking and in secondary um, guys I think that having Fitzpatrick out there for the game he's going to be able to um, to be able to find the open receivers they're going to be able to uh, kind of do in, in a similar way what they were able to do against Buffalo or against Seattle. And they're going to be able to find those receivers over the middle. They're going to be able to move the ball down the field um, if, they're able to, uh, if they're able to limit the amount of pressure that's going to be on him uh, by their pass rush. And that's really going to be the story is if, if this offensive line, this is going to be one of the big, uh, big tests for them at the beginning of the year here is to see how they're able to handle an elite pass rush uh, from a team that um, that was just recently in the Super Bowl and is a very high-level, high-caliber team. Um, with all the injuries on there, there's a chance. To, I mean, I, I've said it every week since they had all these injuries pop up that I wasn't sure if San Francisco was going to drop some of these games, and they just continue to win. Uh, so... Really, uh, but I, I will say it again, though, if they're able to capitalize um, in the areas where, where San Francisco has these injuries, though, that's what they're going to need to try to do. And they're certainly going to need to be more productive in the red zone and come away with more touchdowns instead of field goals. Or I can see this game going very similarly to the way that 
the Seattle game went and where we're just kind of trailing you know closely behind to them the entire game and just not able to either take that lead or or able to take advantage and, and put the game away in a spot where you're able to do so um but going to be exciting to see them play against this team though uh, i think i think it'll be a pretty good game to watch uh, i'm excited to see kind of how this miami team will adapt week to week as the season goes on and, and some of the changes uh that, that they'll inevitably make um, but that's all I've really got for today. Uh, I hope that, uh, you all enjoy the games regardless of who your team is. I hope you enjoy your games going into this next week. Uh, be, be exciting to tune into the, uh, Chicago Bears and Tampa Bay Buccaneers matchup on Thursday night. Doesn't seem like a, I guess a super exciting game for Miami fans. I don't know. I, I just enjoy watching those primetime games. It's a lot of fun and it should be, should be pretty interesting to see, uh, Tom Brady, coming off of that five-touchdown game uh, playing the Chicago Bears. But, again, that's all I have. I will come to you after the game next week, and we will break down that one and look forward to the week after that. So stay safe out there. Enjoy the football this weekend, and fins up, everybody.